Hey there, folks. Welcome back for the week nine edition of the Tradecast. Uh, we got a couple weeks left here to swing a few last deals in our fantasy leagues with trade deadlines expiring uh, here in earnest between the 11th and the 25th of this month. A lot of them uh, will be wrapped up by the 18th. Um, as we get through this last treacherous week of buys, we had, what, six teams off last week and six again this week um, for the two huge bye week nightmares of the season. Uh, after this week, about 70% of our buys will be out of the way. So with the trade deadlines nearing and uh, with the bye weeks uh, pretty much behind us, other than really Kareem Hunt, I think he's the only real big fish left with a buy in front of us. Uh, it's going to be time for us to start. Uh, we always talk about playing this like the poker tournament. We like to switch gears as this thing escalates, as the season uh, takes us through the various levels. And uh, the gear we want to switch into right now is to uh, the one where we begin front-loading our rosters with equity. And by that, we want to start shifting the player equity in our rosters from across the roster, from the bench, to maximum player equity in our starting lineups as we head down the stretch here and we duke it out uh, for a few very important wins here down the stretch to ensure our uh, seeding in the playoffs. And of course, we're going to want to have the best starting lineups absolutely possible um, heading into the playoffs. There's Our benches don't do us really any good in the playoffs. There's no having a bunch of fantasy points on my bench in the playoffs doesn't help me. Uh, so that's what we'll talk about on today's uh, trade cast, along with uh, this week's um, buy lows and a handful of running backs I want to get into. First and foremost, this weekly podcast is sponsored by our pro subscribers at rosterwatch.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, you can also find the Tuesday Waiver Wire podcast on iTunes. Just search for the Maniacal Roster Watch podcast. And please just give us an insane, you know, bitchin' five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, you can also follow us for more analysis on Twitter at RosterWatch. Uh, we're frequently active on there. Hope you guys are enjoying the new version of the Snap Counts, Targets, and Touches tool that we launched this week. We view it as a huge improvement, not only for ease of use, but just... Um, for consuming the data. You guys can see this way the way that we like to use it. We think this is the highest and best use of it. Uh, so thanks again to our pro subscribers and our maniacal community at rosterwatch.com for making tools and improvements like that possible. This is a tool that is very, very valuable. And you guys should always, always have your nose in it. That's the snap counts, touches, and targets tool at rosterwatch.com. A lot of that gets baked into the waiver wire cheat sheet. A lot of that gets baked into the DFS analytics. A lot of that is based is, is just what our general forecasts are based on, having drilled way far and down into that data and using that in addition to the other information we have throughout the league, putting some real context on it. This is very, very important data. Uh, I'm going to try to re reference it uh, frequently today. Uh, as you guys know, we had the very active trade deadline 
with the NFL yesterday. Between that and our super tight travel schedule yesterday, the Waiver Wire podcast was not uh, possible. So we apologize for that. Uh, the last big move of the trade deadline was Kelvin Benjamin uh, to the Buffalo Bills. We tend to be of the Bill Polian school of thought, and that is that, what is it, Brandon Bean, the GM of the Bills, the new young GM coming out of Carolina, along with young head coach Sean McDermott, have they've pressed every right button since last January. Every button they've pressed have, has been the right one, every single one of them. And props to those guys. We're going to have to see if they can keep it up in year two, but we love the addition of Kelvin Benjamin to this offense. Schematically, from a football perspective, it's a terrific add to that offense. It's a very complimentary set of wide receivers, and we think it's a rock-solid group. It's not going to be much of a transition for Kelvin there. I think you might have to take, pretty obviously, a little bit of a short-term lump to enjoy what we believe is going to be an upgrade for the season uh, for Kelvin. He was being underutilized in Carolina with a limited target share this year. And Tyrod Taylor is a more accurate quarterback than Cam Newton. They didn't trade this guy not to use him. They desperately need him in Buffalo. So definitely an upgrade over the rest of the season for Kelvin Benjamin, especially he has no buy now. He, he'll, he will not have experienced a buy this, this season. Uh, I believe he had one coming up in week 11 in Carolina and the Bills have already faded there. So that's good news for Kelvin Benjamin owners. You don't love having to play him this week. We're not even sure if he is going to play on the Thursday night game. I think if you're in a pinch and he does play, based on what he's been doing in Carolina this year on many times just five to seven targets a game, he's still been serviceable. I think if you had to start him in a good matchup where uh, against the Jets, I expect Josh McCown to be rifling it up and down the field i think kelvin is a reasonable play in the flex or like a wide receiver three if you're in a pinch and he does participate on thursday evening uh, we'll have to keep a close pulse pulse on that um short-term lump uh long-term games there with kelvin benjamin uh, also maybe a good time to mention that devin funches just because i don't want to spend too much time on him later in this pod i don't know if he can really be a sell high but you know, maybe in a package deal, he has a lot of appeal right now. I mean, there's certainly some got to be buzz about Devin Funchess right now. I'd say his value is probably the highest it's ever been. And, you know, what we, we always say is that when a player's value is the highest it's ever been in its career, it doesn't make him a must sell, but it means we should at least investigate uh, the opportunity, the option to do so. And, uh, what rewards we might be able to, to to reap. So Devin Funches, if I was a Funches owner, I'd if he was a, a trade piece in play for a bigger fish, and that buzz was making that you know help help sweeten those deals right now. Certainly a guy I'm looking to do that with. On the other hand, if you own Devin Funches, you you can't help but feel like this is a boon for him. Uh, we told you from last week's touchdown dependency reports that. You know, along with a few very other interesting tidbits last week uh, that you don't get until you just really look at the full landscape like that, uh, was that Devin Funches was outpacing Kelvin Benjamin on the season. 
now was in a more touchdown dependent variety, but other than that, it was still pretty close. So uh, this has been, this has been bubbling in Carolina. We'll be interested to see what they do. Uh, solid pickup for the bills, solid pickup for the bills. Absolutely. We think this is a much better spot for Zay Jones. Now a uh, much better spot for Jordan Matthews. So uh, anyways, uh, <clears throat> Lamar Miller, uh, if you go look at the snap counts, touches, and targets tool and you see the feature that we've added is where you're able to view it by position. This is beautiful. And one thing you'll notice is that Lamar Miller of the Houston Texans is an 80% snap count guy flat out right now. I mean, Deontay Foreman didn't even get any action in Seattle. It was the Alfred Blue show in relief of Miller. I, I told you guys a week or two when I was looking at that trade for Melvin Gordon that Lamar Miller, as much as we've pretty much hated him, was a guy I kind of had my eye on right now. Uh, I think I saw this coming. And just based on the way things were trending at the time, 80% snap count is big for him. And and mainly, we just want a piece of that Deshaun Watson offense right now. He's He's got that golden touch. Deshaun Watson has that golden touch, and we want a piece of that. This is, I think this is the most useful Lamar Miller is about to be for the rest of his fantasy career, barring a Deontay Foreman injury next year or moving forward. So this is the height of Lamar Miller in Houston. I think we've got it coming here. <clears throat> the buy's out of the way. I really like it. If you own him, kudos to you. If you don't own him, I'm not sure how how much you can go get him. He's coming off a pretty good game right now, but uh, just a really an, an interesting observation that we've kind of had our pulse on. It seems as if it's coming home to roost right now. Another thing from that Seattle Texans game, just an absolute thriller, a thriller. Another thing, look, we told you it's time to anoint Deshaun Watson, but it coming home to roost. Coming home to roost. I know you guys were a little worried after the slow start. <laughs> but I know you guys are so happy right now. How many of you listening to this podcast right now who use the draft cheat sheet own Jimmy Graham and Russell Wilson? And or we want to know. We know that a lot of you do. We were pounding the table for these two after Seahawks training camp. Got a little worried there after the first few weeks because of the offensive line woes. Just not allowing what we were seeing in training camp to actually take place during live game action because such a pathetic offensive line that was. That thing has been trending upwards. Russell Wilson has been exploding. He's going ham on the NFL right now. Russell Wilson is the number two quarterback in all of fantasy in terms of points per game right now. He's putting up throbbing monsters, super mega monsters right now. I don't see it stopping anytime in the near future. The addition of Dwayne Brown only fortifies that situation. And look, Doug Baldwin's still been nice, but not only did we tell you guys that Jimmy Graham was going bananas in training camp and that this was going to be a Jimmy Graham monster, we told you this offense was trending towards becoming more of a Jimmy Graham offense, and I think you're seeing it. I mean, the fantasy production for him has been very solid lately. And still it belies the opportunities he's had because he's dropped some bad balls. 
He's left a few piles of fantasy points on the table. Jimmy Graham has been good lately. It could have been a monster lately. So things are very, very positive there. We like to see that that training camp intelligence from the training camp tour that we undertook this year is really paying off with Russell Wilson and Jimmy Graham looking fantastic right now. And let's not forget Paul Richardson either. We told you after camp that Paul Richardson had won the job as the number two wide receiver there. And it wasn't even an issue. It wasn't even, there was not a debate. So a lot of us own Paul Richardson or have picked him up early in the season on the waiver wire cheat sheet. And he's been serviceable every week of the season, every single week of the season coming off a really nice week uh, in week eight. So glad to see that pay off. Um, you know, and as you see Amari Cooper crash to the ground again, you realize, you know, another bit of intelligence that continues to pay off is the Michael Crabtree intelligence. The ceiling hasn't been there, but we never really predicted that was going to be the case. He has been the ultimate in reliability this year. You just plug Michael Crabtree into your fantasy lineup and you know you're going to get a good week out of him. That thing has shaped up exactly as it looked in camp. And I think we all got him in about the fifth or sixth round of our league. So happy to see what's going on with Michael Crabtree. Uh, that training camp intelligence coming home to roost. And, you know, don't forget that Cooper Cup is coming back from this bye now. And he, he has been the subject of a lot of targets recently. And has been, as we told you, the best wide receiver on that team to date. Can you believe it? I know not a lot of you did not when I said that. But Cooper Cup, so watch out. I think he's about to come back from the bye and be a very useful fantasy player down the stretch, especially uh, in any kind of uh, PPR format. Not saying going bananas to go trade for him. I'm just... We like to see our golden sons blossom this early, and certainly that's the case with Cooper Cup. Uh, and what's going on with just a renaissance for the Los Angeles Rams? I loved the pictures of the kids' Halloween costumes in Los Angeles that were dressed up like Sean McVay with the little painted-on beards. Man, that was hilarious. Listen, I don't want to jinx myself. But for the educational purposes of this podcast, I'm going to take a second to give myself a huge pat on the back for what I think truthfully so far is one of, if not the best fantasy performances I've ever put together or stretch of fantasy management that I've ever executed it's been very trash man-esque, shall we say. Uh, and the reason I bring this up is because my team is an example of how all of this works in action. All of this here on this podcast, everything on the site, the whole suite of tools, the simple program we've, we've designed for our pro subscribers at Roster Watch to become winners in just a few minutes a week. Um, Everything that we outline on the Waiver Wire podcast, I mean, we can't stress to you guys enough. I know it's probably hard to believe, but everything we put out there and everything we tell you guys 
We do all that so we can win in our own leagues. We left no, we leave no stone unturned. And so everything that's in these tools, everything on these pods is literally everything we're doing in our own leagues. When I go to set my waivers, I pull up the waiver wire cheat sheet and I start at the top and I search for, depending on my roster situation, I just start searching for players from the top to the bottom and I see who's available. I mean, we're not doing anything other than what we're telling you guys to do. And my team this season in one of my most competitive leagues, I believe has just been a perfect example of this. And I think it's always good to try to drive this home and bring it to life. Um, so look, last week, let me give you guys some examples of what's going on. I mean, it's, it's the dying salmon swimming up the stream. The team that I drafted, it, my, the current team I have resembles, does not resemble it at all. I'm on a four-game winning streak. It's not been with the most points because I suffered a barrage of injuries early in the season, but it's just been with making the right moves and pressing the right buttons each week just by following just by following the program at rosterwatch.com the, for our pro subscribers. And it's, you know, last week an example. I used the Vegas tool in this league and I got in Tyler Croft and DeAndre Washington. I started those guys. Washington with a nice week, Croft with a serviceable week. I also used our training camp intelligence from Raiders training camp to put DeAndre Washington higher on the waiver wire cheat sheet than Jalen Richard. Hence, I acquired DeAndre Washington through the waiver process and started him when a lot of other people probably started Jalen Richard this week. I used our senior bowl intelligence in this league with Evan Ingram. I had a huge hole in my tight end position to begin the season, but I farmed waiver wire gold. It's been the same with Jermaine Curse, one of the absolute staples of my team. It's a, it's a real trash man. But when you're winning, if you're proud to be one. You know, we told you guys, I think it was on the first edition of this podcast, about Jake Elliott, the Eagles kicker. We said it was this year's Caleb Sturgis, last year's Eagles kicker, who were just fantasy MVKs, most valuable kickers, fantasy MVPs. You know, we said you're wasting your time if you're not getting 10 points out of your kicker and your defense every single week. And we're all about streaming defenses and waiver wire defenses, but you got to stay on that. And you got to be, when you find a good one and you forecast a good stretch for it, you might think about keeping it. You know, so it wasn't Jake Elliott in this league, but it was Harrison Butker of the Chiefs, who might be the one only kicker that is outperforming Elliott. So he's been in my lineup the last five weeks, six weeks in this league that I started off one and three in, and I've reeled off four in a row now. And this is a crazy competitive league. I'm playing very, very good opponents every week with stacked rosters. And you guys hear what I'm the way I'm scraping this thing together here. But it's it's materializing into wins. And this is simply by using the simple program we've designed at rosterwatch.com for our pro subscribers to become winners, to play like experts every week of the season in their season-long leagues and in their DFS leagues. 
play like an expert with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. Um, the Bills defense. I was playing waiver wire defense every week of the season until I stumbled upon the Bills in a good matchup. Noticed the trend that they'd been on is very serviceable to good on the season. I'm able to forecast now they have no buy in front of them with some pretty good matchups. And the Bills every week have been paying dividends for me recently. This last week, they got me a critical. I won by two points in a Monday night thriller against a monster lineup for my opponent this week. And a lot of it had to do with Harrison Butker going for a 21-pointer and for my Bills defense going for a 15-pointer at home. And what I'm saying is none of these things were given to me. These were all things I've worked really, really hard to put together on my fantasy squad by just going through each of these motions day by day, week by week in our leagues that the program, our pro subscribers, go through. It's what we do ourselves. Uh, You know, I've made the trades in this league using this podcast. I traded, we told you we wanted to trade Ty Montgomery after uh, heading into that Bears Thursday night game. We wanted to trade Ty Montgomery before that game. We were worried he was going to get injured. His value was through the roof after the game with the Falcons. It was hard to pull off because of the short week with the Thursday night game. He got hurt. You know, but we we came back the next week or two on this podcast and we worked through it. How are we going to get rid of Ty Montgomery? How are we going to get something for him? As soon as I got his value up before the emergence of Aaron Jones, when the rumors were coming out that he was potentially going to play on that against the Cowboys in the following week after the rib injury, I shipped him right off. And at the time I got Deshaun Jackson and Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb has turned out to be worthless, but Deshaun Jackson has turned out to be the best player in that trade. And it always takes, you can't be a chicken little to trade off the best player, you know, or who the player that was drafted the highest just a few weeks ago in a trade like that. We're not chicken littles. I got aggressive. I did what I had to. And Deshaun Jackson has been a very, very solid player and big contributor to this team and to this winning streak that I'm on on a team that I think is trending upwards because I've acquired guys like Corey Davis off the waiver wire, Josh Doxson. A lot of guys on my bench that I think are heating up for this stretch, and this is when we want to be playing our best football, our best fantasy football. This is when we want to be putting together our best um, starting rosters. You know, we discussed last week on this podcast, I decided to ship off my horse, Melvin Gordon, the guy who had put me on this winning streak. The guy who I'd had all my eggs in his basket, a golden son of Roster Watch Nation, who's been absolutely beasting. Look, look what he did in New England this week. I knew I was going to run the risk of shipping him off. He was going to have a big game like that. But I also knew I was goosey, and if you look at it, most of that production came from the one big play. There was reason to be goosey. He has the buy now. What do we do? I got Doug Martin and Jarek McKinnon out of it. Look at what Jarek McKinnon did. And that was simply by following the exact advice on this trade cast. That was a win-win for both owners. I feel great about the trade last week. It helped me win. I feel great about the trade moving forward. I mean, we're going to talk. I mean, we could talk about it right now, actually. Um, one thing we're noticing 
uh, going through the snap count data on the new snap count touches and target tool, the new version of it at rosterwatch.com is that Jarek McKinnon is locked into that 60, 40 role. If you look at what's happening with his snaps, he's become locked into the 60, 40 role with Latavius Murray. That 60, 40 role is basically, you know, kind of what we used to refer to in the prior few years as the Devonte Freeman role there with Tevin Coleman. That's, that's right where you need to be to start becoming a, Really nice RB1 uh, if you're in the right situation. That's kind of like the prerequisite. McKinnon is moving into that area. I feel very positive about him the rest of the season. So, you know, those were two aggressive trades I made. So, I'm, you know, when I look at it, when I, when I look at the league standings every week, every single week I'm number one or number two in the league in total waiver wire moves all season long. You know, and this is a league where I lost Allen Robinson five minutes into the season. Ty Montgomery fell to pieces. The Marshawn Lynch thing is backfired. You know, so I have this team that I don't even recognize anymore, but I've been winning. And it's strictly because I've been making these moves. And none of these moves are anything that we haven't shared with you guys. This is all stuff that you guys have been the, have the opportunity to be doing. We're sharing every bit of this with you. Um, So wanted to share that. Hopefully, I feel positive about this roster. I think I, I think my team is only going to continue to get better. This week was actually the one week where I had poor waiver position. I only there was a thin waiver wire week, so this was the one week I knew I, I didn't get Kenyon Drake. Alex did, um, and I finally catapulted up to the number six waiver wire position. And you know that that's something that we never we maybe don't talk about enough is. People ask all the time about sitting on one of those high waiver wire positions, priorities. And I'm always just shocked at how early in the season people are asking me if they should sit on their waiver priority. And I tell you, absolutely not. You should recycle that thing like the trash man recycles, well, basically everything. Until you start getting towards this time of season, once we start nearing the trade deadline is when we want to start, you know, when, when kind of by accident we stumble into good waiver position, that's when you start to say, okay, well, now I'm going to be prudent in the way that I use it, and I'm going to start to consider sitting on this thing and ticking towards that top position, maybe for that one last big pickup of the year as we're heading into the playoffs or during the playoffs. Um, and so, uh, that is something that is another gear we want to continue. We want to start considering the switch, but by all means, user waiver wires, uh, as much as necessary right now, it's do or die. And, you know, like I said, every week in the season, I'm either number one or number two in the league, usually number one in waiver wire moves. And that's what it's required to get this team out of a hole and up and running. So we encourage you guys to Use the tools, listen to these podcasts, and do all of the same things. And please share us, share with us the results. Um, share with share that with us on Twitter at RosterWatcher. More importantly, share those stories with us in the comments section at RosterWatch.com. Okay, guys, the buy lows of the week. Um, like we say, it's hard to ever call Julio Jones a buy low, but he is right now. I mean, he's at least a, he's at least on the table right now, which is usually not the case with an uber elite player like Julio Jones. 
He's on the table. Look, the snap counts have been fine. He's an 85 to 90% participant. That's exactly what you're looking for out of your stud, out of your hog. Uh, the targets were there in week seven. They were. It was a big target week. Uh, but they just haven't been otherwise. And he's in what's just been a floundering offense so far this season. The production hasn't been there. You know, some of it has to do, we think, with Steve Sarkeesian. That's what the group think has been to this point. I'm starting to think there's a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover. You know, they got the win there in New York against the Jets this week, but I'm starting to think there's a little, been a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover there in Atlanta with some of their important uh, players. And you also wonder, is Matt Ryan coming to earth a little bit? He played out of his mind last year. That was... I don't want to say that was an outlier for Matt Ryan, but I'm not sure that is the norm for Matt Ryan. So we've had a little regression here with Julio Jones, who's been a little injured. No surprise, kind of par for the course with him so far this year. And, um, you know, like we said, you're not going to steal him. You're not going to rob him, anybody for him. But I, Julio Jones is on the table for discussion right now. And he's the kind of guy that we're certainly willing to take our chances on. If it doesn't work out, so be it. But if we can make a move for a guy like Julio Jones to gear up for an arms race for the playoffs, you know, we're going to do it and we're going to live with the results. And I'll tell you what, we're going to come out on the good side of that most of the time. Some of the same stuff applies for Devontae Freeman right there in Atlanta as well. Uh, he was a he was back to a 60-40 snap split with Tevin Coleman this week, which is what we've basically seen with him the last few years, which has been it's been the thing that's kept him from being an ultra-elite fantasy player, and especially on a weekly basis. Uh, this year, the, the good news was to begin the season, he was... He was trending upwards in his snap counts with Steve Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian was... The, the thought was Sarkeesian enjoyed more of a workhorse-type uh, running back situation, and that was showing up in Freeman's snap counts, and it was showing up in his fantasy stats. Uh, the good news, if you go use the uh, one of the new ways to view the data on the snap counts, touches, and targets tool at rosterwatch.com that we launched this week for our pro subscribers, Guys, come get a pro subscription at rosterwatch.com. If you like this content, if you like these tools that we talk about, all of this and way, way more lives on the website at rosterwatch.com. And it's literally cheaper than a cup of coffee. Come support us. Come support your fantasy success. Look, it's going to mean more to you than, than it does to, uh, to us, that $3.99. Trust me. Um. But if you go use the new uh, way to view the data by position and you look at the averages over time, over the last month, over the last three weeks uh, for Devontae Freeman, what you'll notice is even though we got the 60-40 split this week and the production has been low the last few weeks, I mean, he is a buy low. He hasn't been doing that much for his owners. He still really is a 70% snap count guy under Sarkeesian. That hasn't changed. That narrative from early in the season hasn't changed and guys a 70 percent Devonte freeman snap count Devonte freeman that's a good Devonte freeman that's a player that we want on our fantasy team if we can get a discount for him let's see if we can go get Devonte freeman 
couple of other really nice potential buy lows at the wide receiver position. Very similar to Julio Jones. Unlikely that you're ever going to rip anybody off for this guy. And less of a buy low, but more of a, thank God we can at least talk about him right now, is Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You guys know, y'all have listened to us for years. We think Mike Evans is a freak ever since the day we live scouted him at A&M Pro Day and just a beast and a technician and just a tough as nails, man. Uh, Mike Evans really, really like his next five weeks of his fantasy schedule and truthfully like seven of his next eight. Um, I may actually be more interested in Mike Evans than I am in Julio Jones right now. He's a, he's a good, good, good target. Good target for you guys. Fortunately, I can't trade for any of these guys because in, the, in I'm really only playing in a few leagues this year, and in the ones I'm in, like Alex owns Julio Jones and Mike Evans, so I can pretty much forget about that. But uh, the other one I'd say is Keenan Allen. He's got the bye this week, and then he's got Jacksonville, which is probably going to be a tough matchup the week after that. But I like his schedule. Uh, I like his schedule uh, after that through the remainder of the fantasy playoffs. You guys know we like Keenan Allen. I think he's going to have – he's going to – he's had a little midseason lull here. I think he's going to finish strong. He should. His numbers at the end of the season, you're going to look back, and his numbers are going to be pretty good on the whole – they started off good. They've tempered off for those to end the way that you would suspect they're going to end. He's going to have to have a boon of production here coming off the bye. And probably after that game at Jacksonville, truth be told, that might be the time to trade for him. Let his owners absorb a bye after a few rough games here and then let him play Jacksonville and get skunked again and then go trade for him. That's probably when his value will be the absolute lowest. But who knows, maybe you can sell that to a Keenan Allen owner right now and go ahead and get some kind of discount on him. I think it's a very solid ad, especially in PPR uh, to our teams. If, if you can have Keenan Allen as your wide receiver three in a PPR or a flex in a PPR, that's a good move. That's a good move. All right, guys. Um... Those were the buy lows. You know, it's a pretty thin week on the trade market. Quiet week. But those are big names. Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, and Devontae Freeman. Those are all the kind of players we're looking to acquire here as we're a couple of weeks out from our trade deadlines. Those are the exact players. So this is the opportunity. This is the opportunity for these guys because it may not be like this every week that it's the elite guys that are uh, you know, available here. And that's what we want. We're shifting the equity from the entirety of our roster. Look, we've used a lot of depth. We've acquired a lot of good players. Our teams are stacked. So we have equity from top to bottom. We are rich fantasy players. And we've used that depth to wheel and deal. We've used that depth to navigate the buys. We've also used it to match up play. But it's time that depth doesn't do you any good in the playoffs. In the playoffs, you need your absolute best starting lineup. How do you do that? You shift the equity from the entirety of your roster. You jam it 
into the front, into the top of your roster. You front load, you top load your roster. And to do that, we got to make trades. That's why we're making this podcast today. So you need to be taking two of those players and trading them for one of these good players. You need to be go taking three of your those players and trading them for two good players. And, you know, there's not a lot of sell highs this week, so you're going to have to put some earnest deals together. But trust me, I, I, if your rosters look anything like mine, and I know, I know they do, you're loaded top to bottom. You've got the, you've got the assets to wheel and deal here. So even if you got to quote-unquote overpay for a guy like Julio Jones or Mike Evans or even Devontae Freeman, I think it's totally worth it. Totally, totally worth it right now. Look, we're going to just restock. We're going to restock that. It it opens up some roster spots to us for us anyways. We need those for waiver wire moves. So come on, guys. Quit being knuckleheads. Running backs to talk about this week. You know, again, those... I'm not really sure we have any sell. There's, I don't want to say there's any clear sell highs this week. So I just want to talk about this group of running backs in general. One is Carlos Hyde. I don't love his schedule coming up. Andy has a bye. You know, but that may or may not be what his current owner sees. So Carlos Hyde. Maybe a buy low. Maybe a buy low. If you can convince his owner that he's got a tough schedule and a buy coming up or float that out there. Carlos Hyde is 70% snap count participant. That's plenty good. A little bit of a predictable downtick this week with the Matt Brieta uh, return game with his disabled parents there in the Philadelphia area. Great story. Uh, Carlos Hyde, he's a 70% snap count guy. That's plenty good. He's been quiet the last few weeks. I, you know, on the other hand, he's got a buy and we don't love his schedule. So it could be a bit of a wash. I think he's somebody to at least look at right now. I don't, he's unlikely that he's a sell high. So if you, if you're in that camp, he's probably just a hold, uh, but maybe worth looking at in your league. Adrian Peterson, similar situation. More than likely a hold, but certainly a player that we like the rest of the way. And in any kind of standard or half-point PPR, if I needed a running back and I could get a deal on Adrian Peterson, I'm doing it. I'm doing it for sure. So think about it. Look at it in your leagues. Adrian Peterson. Maybe a sell a sell high is Jay Ajay. You know that used to be one of our favorite rhymes. Uh, sell high on Jay Ajay. We used to say it on the radio show, the Sirius XM radio show, uh, seven to nine Eastern on Saturday nights and seven to nine in the morning uh, Eastern time on Sunday mornings before the game day uh, slate. It's the game day edition of Roster Watch on Channel eighty eight. I mean Channel eighty seven. Uh, the Fantasy Sports Channel, Series 210, XM87. Uh, you guys can catch us there, too. Anyways, we always said sell high on JGI. 
and I think this is an improvement for him. Now, hold on. This is an improvement for him for JHI going to Philadelphia. Long-term on the season, rest of season, this has to be an improvement for him over what was going on in Miami. But that doesn't mean I still have to love it. It's a tough matchup this week. You know, one of the benefits of owning Ajayi all year was that he wasn't going to have a bye. Now he's got a bye. And he's coming back to a timeshare. And at, at minimum, a three-way split in the backfield. Yes, I think they brought him in to be the lead guy. And I fit, think he fits to be the lead guy. And I, I enjoy what Philadelphia's doing right now. They got Carson Wentz slinging it all over the yard and playing excellent quarterback, but they're talking about pounding it on folks. I really enjoy that. Uh, still going to be a timeshare, still a new guy and a new offense with a tough matchup this week and a buy on the horizon. And a guy in LeGarrette Blunt who can still very easily steal touchdowns and goal lines. So... We like players on good teams with good offensive lines, and they didn't trade for him not to use them. This is a positive for Jay Ajayi and a bump for him rest of season. But I've also got tempered expectations, and I guess what I'm saying is if for some reason this news has somebody lathered up in your league for Jay Ajayi, I'd consider that a sell high right now. And I'd sell them high. Another running back that I think is a very solid play the rest of the way. But maybe he's also a bit of a sell high just based on durability concerns. Uh, Coming off the back-to-back 25-plus point games is Shady LaShawn McCoy in Buffalo. If you got him and you need to hold him, I think it's perfectly fine. LaShawn McCoy, very nice. Outlook the rest of the season. His schedule looks good. I do have concerns whether he can maintain this pace for that long. We still got a ways to go here to get deep into the fantasy playoffs. You know, can 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 Shady McCoy reel off another six to eight weeks of this? I'm not convinced that he can. If I can do LaShawn McCoy in a deal for somebody I'm more comfortable with that's a a bigger stud, I think I'm doing that right now. Last but not least, you know, we always say that uh, we discuss with you guys reading the tea leaves, reading the writing on the wall, seeing things for what they are. I believe we are seeing things for what they are with Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. He'd been a 50% snap count guy, which isn't going to cut it. Not for what we were hoping. Cuts it cuts it for a flex option or an RB3. Uh, and that thing trended towards 60% this week. So you may be getting a guy that's getting to that 60% level. And we said it earlier with McKinnon and Freeman that That is the level where you can start to become a legitimate option 
as a fantasy running back. Uh, but man, I'm just, when I'm watching Mixon and I'm watching that offense, I'm just not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. If you're going to be a 60% guy, there's some good ones like we talked about, but you got to be effective, man. You got to be effective. Freeman is effective. McKinnon had not historically effective, but very effective uh, this year. Mixon just hasn't been effective. He he's a guy that needs volume right now. I'm not sure 60% snap count is enough for him. And I'm not convinced based on the data we have now. We're going far north of that with Joe Mixon. I believe we have what we have with Mixon, which is flex RB3 type guy. Keep him if you got him. There's plenty of upside if if this thing starts to hit on all cylinders. If there's somebody in your league that overvalues Joe Mixon or will take him as part of a deal for uh, giving up an elite player, I really, really think it's worth it, guys. I'm, I'm just not feeling Joe Mixon as a guy who's going to win us our leagues this year. All right, well, thank each and every one of you for joining me today. We hope you're having a fruitful week in your fantasy leagues. As usual, the trash man, myself, Alex, will all be in the comments section of the website as often as possible this week, uh, helping you with these trade questions and many of your other sit-starts, dynasty questions, everything else. Um, anyways, we hope that all of y'all are doing well and having a fantastic season, and we can never thank you enough for your support. Our gratitude is infinite to Roster Watch Nation and to our pro subscribers who make this very podcast possible every week. Please, guys, if you're listening to this podcast and you like it, just go to iTunes. Take a couple seconds to give this a maniacal, a stellar five-star review. I couldn't appreciate it more. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at Rosterwatch. And remember, play like an expert with the pro membership at rosterwatch.com. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me today on this week's version of the Tradecast. we got a couple more coming before your trade deadlines. Make sure and start making those few last important deals happen. Start getting that equity into the front of your lineup, into your starting lineup, and let's build those playoff monster rosters so we can take this thing home. Roster Watch Nation, until next time, be good. Trade, then I just made your whole mother and father's wage slip. I leave West End with a few expensive bags. I be selling stocks and then I buy it back. Then I hit the clubs and then I ball out. I got the tax man thinking I'm supplying crap. But I'm at the same place sitting at my desk. Trying to buy the dollar and then I sell the yen. Exit the trade and then I take the price.